0: Spoiler alert. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Living a Life Through Books, the podcast about everything bookish. I'm your host, Dr. Shanaz Ahmed, and today is Book Club. Before I bring up our conversation, I wanted to say that your support of my podcast would mean a lot to me. The easiest way is to buy me a coffee go to buymeacoffee.com slash LLTB podcast. Every coffee you buy me helps keep me alert and this podcast going. I'll add the link in the show notes and I thank you. One more thing. I want to talk a bit about a great audiobook app, Libro.fm, lets you purchase audiobooks directly from your favorite local bookstore. Choose from more than 150,000 audiobooks, including New York Times bestsellers, and recommendations from booksellers around the country. With Libro.fm, you'll get the same audiobooks at the same price as the largest audiobook company out there. You know the name. But you'll be part of a much different story, one that supports community. Listeners of this podcast can get two books for the price of one. Go to Libro.fm, that is L-I-B-R-O dot F-M, and enter code LLTB podcast. With each listen, take pride in knowing that you're supporting local bookstores. I'll add the link in the show notes. And now, today's book is The House in the Cerulean Sea by TJ Klune. This episode was recorded on June 3rd, 2021. So, Sit back, relax, and welcome to Book Club. All right, everyone, let's get Book Club started. Today, we're doing The House in the Cerulean Sea by T.J. Klune. So uh, I'm really excited about this book because I loved this book so much. It was just like it just made me feel good. That's all. It's my feel-good book and that was my first thoughts about the book what were your first thoughts about the book
1: I agree I loved it I had no idea what to expect I'd never heard of it before um, but I heard you guys talking a little bit about it um, and I, I totally agree I loved the characters and the story is just so sweet
2: Erin I agree my first impression was just like one this has to be British. Two. Um, I loved the like tongue-in-cheek humor and three, I it reminded me a lot of the warmth of Harry Potter but this is like adult like it's, this is definitely not I don't think a YA novel
0: You know, that's the interesting thing about the whole thing is for me, I read it and you've got all these kids and part of the definition of YA is if a lot of your characters are kids then it automatically becomes children's to me, at one point, I actually thought it was a kid's book. When I listened to the audience, I went to purchase the book. I first looked, I think I looked in the kids section like near the Harry Potters and I couldn't find it. Then I looked in the YA section, I couldn't find it. And that's when I called someone and I said, hey, where is this book? It's like a top book. She's like, oh, it's in the adult fantasy. Adult? Really? What am I missing, Erin? What am I missing? Tell me.
2: I mean, I think it's the themes that are the, uh, that make it adult, it, it, like, not that it's not content that young adults couldn't intake, but that I think, you know, these are, a lot of these things are lessons and conversations that kids don't really think about and young adults don't necessarily think about. It's more of a adult, you know, mature adult thing to process. Uh
1: I agree, because I think the primary character really was, um, well, you know, the what was his name Linus? Linus Baker. Yes. And it was about his journey. And and his journey was not a kid topic. Like, it was, you know, going from um, a, you know, person who wasn't really living life very fully or being present in life, and then kind of turning it around and kind of discovering who he is. And I feel like that journey isn't really a kid journey at, at that time. Although I, I agree that I think certainly kids can understand the concepts especially of you know adults relating to children and children also kind of learning who they are and and being comfortable with with who they are but i think linus's journey was really more um the focus
0: i just felt the adult themes were more of you know you have was it lucy lucifer being a concept of a child being the devil or was it talia the gnome right she was just digging people and it's like oh let's Dig you up and bury you. And when it first started off like that, I was like, what on earth is going on? But but then at the end of it, it just became so heartwarming and it was cute. And I was like, oh, it's kids say the darndest things. Kids don't process things the way we do. It's a kid's book. That's where it came from. But I completely I hear you on the thing about Linus's journey, but speaking of Linus's journey, what are your thoughts about like right right from the beginning, Linus is someone who followed the rules to a T. Do you believe with this book, like where he had to go look at these kids and evaluate and make sure the school should be open or closed. Do you believe he followed the rules to a T or did he somewhere feel that I really like these kids, I'm just going to give them a chance? Or do you believe that, no, these kids did deserve a chance and he made the right decision? What are your thoughts on Linus? I really, his character was intriguing.
1: Um, I I also found him intriguing, um, but I think also kind of uh, representative of, I don't know, the current state of our culture. I feel like a lot of times people get kind of lulled into a sense of, you know, keeping up with the Joneses and having your nine to five and everybody gets married and has kids and nobody really stops and thinks about, you know, what's it all actually about? And I feel like there's a lot of rule following in general, not a lot of thinking outside of the box in our culture in general. And so learning to listen to what's going on inside and what really makes um, someone happy is, uh, I guess, maybe something that would hope should hopefully be more common than, than it is. <laughs> um, but yeah, I, I, I really enjoyed um, his, his journey. Um, I agree. I, I, I
2: think that sometimes we get so caught up in the legalisms and the like, you know, you have to fit into this box situation that we not only lose sight of happiness but we also kind of lose sight of common sense I don't think that Linus had completely lost track of common sense but I do think he had lost track of happiness but other people in his work had lost track of common sense like that this is a child that you know regardless of what they are or who they came from etc like they are still a child and um, they're deserving of humanity and you know safety and the ability to learn and be who they are and that kind of stuff. So I think that he had kept that in his mind. I think that though his job had told him that he could do these things and care for these kids in his role without having any emotion to it and I think that's just crazy. I mean, but th- that that is really very common in our society today too that you can somehow separate completely the emotional aspects. And I, I'm not saying be driven by our emotions at all, but I I think that you have to take into account those emotions and like have that emotional connection, especially when you're talking about long-term well-being of children. So I think you made the right decision. I think that the system had, I don't know how the system in the story was to begin with, but they had definitely come to a point to where they were not doing what was right by the kids.
1: It kind of reminded me at the end a little bit of making another Harry Potter reference when the Ministry of Magic gets all crazy and says that um, Voldemort has not returned, and then they send, "What's the girl? What's the lady in the pink suit?" Uh, it kind of reminded me a little bit about like that, but people are just so caught up about the rules and appearances and what should what should be done based on on the rules, and nobody's really thinking uh, straight.
0: Yeah, the lady in the pink suit—I forget the villain. She's like. Uh... Oh, my gosh. Umbridge. Oh, yes. Dolores Umbridge. Oh, God. Oh, she deserves the worst death ever. Um, I just, for me, the other thing was, I thought it was so cute. Department of Upper Management. Department of Extremely Upper Management. It's just, I just, it was all those things that made it so, like, oh It was just, I don't know, the way it was written in a very friendly style for me but what do you think makes this book so heartwarming though like what is that one element that just says like why do i own the copy of this book why did i want to go buy this book and have it and own it and just feel like it's gonna be a part of me it's this you know the warm cup of cocoa on a cold winter's night feel
2: what element gave that i mean for me i felt like that some of the themes and messages were like we've already alluded to very timely through the things that we've lived through in the last uh, five years, like a pandemic aside, like the political situations that we have lived through here. I, I do think that the message of like, you know, you have to start somewhere to make a change, you have to start, you know, one person has to make make a little difference in order for there to be more change, the kind of, you know, snowballs. And I think that part was very uh, hopeful for me. um, Because, you know, I do, there were times during the last five years that I felt like I took stands on things that I felt very much like I was like, just a, one of a couple of people in a hurricane. And like, what am I, like, what good is my small part going to do and how can it really cause change? And um, I, I just really think that this message maybe resonated. I don't know if that was f- the same reason for you, but that I think was one of the reasons for me that it resonated and made me feel very warm and embraced. Like there's other people out there doing these th- same things. And this is like why, you know, it, it makes a difference.
1: I think for me it was about love. It was the uh, it was about family um, and connection between like knowing who you are and having that unconditional support of your family, even if it's not like biological family, but like your chosen family. Um, and then also I love the love story, you know, between Linus and Arthur, uh, and kind of they just coming into who they were also. So I it was it was about love that kind of resonated with my my heart.
0: <laughs> I think for me on that same note, I think it was more about acceptance of our failings because which one of us is so perfect right and we always have these things and we're like everyone's looking at us and judging us for being a little bit different than what that norm whatever that norm is I don't even know what the norm is anymore but to be that little bit different from that norm but this book says I love you, not just in spite of, you know, your difference, but because of it, that it's your difference makes you valuable. Your difference makes you unique and you belong here. And that was my message that I got, like with all those kids in just saying we all, you know, play a part here. And that's, I just felt so welcome back into the world all of a sudden, like, Someone just told me, "Hey, you can be a part of this world too," and I'm like, "Oh, thank you." It was just, it was just the cutest thing. What do you think about um, Arthur's journey? I know Arthur's backstory comes towards the end of the trauma that he had been through, and was just really was disturbing. Like he was imprisoned; he was imprisoned for. What? How long and his uh, his wings couldn't spread, right? Did he have wings at the end or were, they, were his wings clipped? I couldn't know, right? I mean-
2: He, he had full wings. <laughs> he
0: had full wings, but when he was in prison, they were like all crammed in and he wasn't allowed to proverbially spread his wings and fly. I mean, it's both, you know, It's it's right there. It's almost a literal- Literal, what do you call it, analogy right there? And uh, what do you think Arthur's story really is? Because it just, it was hard, it was just heart wrenching for me. I was like, oh my gosh. And so, of course, Arthur is going to tan behind someone who's going to be different. Of course, he's going to be like, listen, give them a chance. People didn't give me a chance. So, give them a chance. And on that same note, do you believe people who have been hurt? by whatever, by bullying, by insults or whatever, do you believe those individuals, because they've been through those traumas, are potentially kinder because they're more empathetic? Just those are my two, I'm just throwing two things out. So go for it.
2: Well, I think that not everybody who goes through trauma is like Arthur. I think that what the care that Arthur gives, it really actually is, from a like clinical point of view is talking about trauma informed care. I mean, like, that's what he's doing with these kids. You know, he is um, treating them very specifically and being very mindful of how he, you know, everything that he does and caring for them and helping them to, to develop and learn. Um, and it all has to do with the trauma that they've been through. And I think that Arthur can do that because he dealt with his trauma and he has grown from it and he has learned from it and he has, he's processed it. And I think that that helps him to not be in a place where, you know, sometimes people who are hurt people are, are still hurting and they haven't processed and, you know, hurt people hurt people. So there, he's unique in a sense. I mean, not that there aren't lots of other people who have trauma in their lives that, you know, don't learn how to work through it or anything, but I think that he's unique. And I don't think that everybody from his history would be able to provide the same care. Uh, So I think it's with how you've dealt with your trauma and how you've processed it. If you're able to be an Arthur or if, you know, maybe you end up being something different. Like those people that were hurting the children in some of the orphanages or schools, however you want to call them, you know, they, they were suggesting that maybe they were lashing out at the children because they had an experience with a magical being and, you know, they didn't get past that. So,
1: yeah, I I agree. I feel like when uh, someone experiences a, a trauma, they can recover, it, like, like Aaron said. And if they do and they're able to work through it, who better to help others recover than one who has experienced themselves? Because they really know in their heart what they need. But at the same time, it's amazing that he was able to get to that point that he could do that. Yeah, yeah. It's horrible what they um, had, had done to him.
0: So when you write a book, they talk about um, story arcs in a lot of the story arcs is you have character journeys and part of these character journeys is you have to break the character and reform the character and ultimately you have a different character do you feel there was much of a character journey even for Linus for that matter because I I mean I just felt okay he's working he's still working he got it and it's just more of him He's kind of learning and he's growing, but there wasn't any major negative plots in the stories, what I felt. There wasn't anything majorly bad and threatening. Or what did I miss?
2: Well, I don't think you have to break them in that sense. I think that, like, the way I think about story arcs is, like, you have... Like the norm, like what this person in, or this character sets typical, you know, and people resonate with the typical. And then you have like a eureka moment. And then you have like the new normal. And hopefully, you know, with the eureka moment, that's something that also changes your reader. So I don't, I mean, I think that I do think it was a, major mental shift for Linus I mean no he wasn't like drugged to the bottom of um, life's you know rocky shores or something but he did not think that happiness was something that was achievable or like was even necessary I don't think at the beginning of this and then you see that when he saw happiness (laughs) and experienced happiness and he's like oh wait a minute and he you know really honestly like he had not had a very happy childhood either. I mean, he wasn't physically abused, but he just wasn't emotionally cared for. So I don't think that he really understood what happiness was and like what emotional connection and, and belonging and, and love, you know, unconditional love and things like that were until he got there. So I do think that that was his like breaking moment, if you will, or Eureka moment. And even though it, it, it actually built him up rather than tore him down.
1: I agree. I I think he was kind of already broken um, at the beginning and he just didn't know it. It was like he was waking up to his brokenness and that was the beginning of his healing process. And there was a little bit too of kind of breaking when he goes back on the train um, after he's left there and, you know, realizes how unhappy he is sitting in his house, you know, in his normal clothes and his tie and his cranky neighbor with his you know pile of mail and wanting his reimbursement for his something I don't remember what it was at this point but um, yeah I I think that was kind of a, a an awakening then too and just imagine like what, what he how much he changed that, you know, at the beginning, he wouldn't have thought of, you know, putting a picture on his desk or stealing a file because that was against the rules. And then at the end, he's doing all those things and couldn't care less what other people think about it. So um, I, there was definitely a lot of change <laughs> going on in him.
0: I liked that when he comes to the realization that, you know what, why do I have to be here? Why do I have to be in this job? I have a life. I'm going to live my life. But Erin, you're right. I mean, it's very adult theme-ish. I mean, we're all trapped in our own lives, and our own jobs. And we're like, oh, like me, like today I was talking about, oh, five years after I retire, I'll do this. And it's all this, what we have in society, just it's these chains around us. And one day, Linus woke up and said, oh, I don't need to have these chains around me. I put them on me. And that's pretty much our existence. It's like, I put these chains on me. I can take them off and I can live and I have a right to life. And the other element is I loved Arthur. I mean, I I wasn't sure in the beginning when Arthur showed up. He was very creepy to me. And I didn't trust Arthur. And I just kept thinking, I don't know about this guy. What is he hiding? I bet he's just, there's something really bad going on here that he just doesn't want Linus to see. But then he's acting so good. He's like, you'll see, they're all good. There was just a lot of, I don't know. I didn't trust Arthur. I don't mind you guys. I just didn't. But then ultimately it ends up that, oh, he was just welcoming Linus and telling him, you know what? I had chains too, sort of. Well, I I had literal chains, but.
1: I I think that shows how good of a writer this person is, that he made you feel those things, which was exactly what Linus was feeling in that moment, because all of his information about Arthur was coming from the department or whatever it was that he was working for. And that's what they wanted him to think. And so that's how it kind of came across that, Um, We were supposed to think he was scary and then he was hiding something and then he needed to be investigated. And um, I mean, when he kind of was like hiding things, but not necessarily bad things, just things that the department didn't want him to have, I guess. I agree with all of that. You know,
2: I definitely felt like Arthur is like holding back, but I wasn't sure, like, is he shy or is he like, is he really hiding stuff, you know, that's, bad or whatever maybe not bad I don't know but that's kind of I I, I definitely felt those feelings too
0: what were your favorite uh, scenes what like just stays with you I read this book I mean I listened to the book I think about three months ago so I haven't reread it and I still remember the you know the dungeon not the dungeon you know the little seller and Arthur and talking about his experience and that that really stays with me And also the beginning, the very beginning of him going to the office of upper management and then the next person, oh, yeah, you got to go through here. Oh, you have a meeting with the office of upper management. Are you sure it's upper management? Oh, you know, those kind of things, like every step of the way, every elevator, you know, level, those things really kind of stay with me. And then ever so often I'll hear these kids just screaming something ridiculous and, I don't know what, but that kind of stays with me a little bit. What about you guys?
2: The, uh well, uh, two scenes that really like stood out to me. In my, I mean, like so many, I remember so many scenes. Don't get me wrong. Like there are many great scenes. I really liked the scene because he, come, he comes to the orphanage for the first time and he faints, you know, reading the file just opening the file about lucy and then his first time actually seeing lucy lucy's in the kitchen and he's like singing like a bebop song and he's like making you know helping make dinner um with the the island fairy or the island sprite and i just thought that was just so you know here it is it's supposed to be the antichrist and (laughs) this small child and he's just like you know just like a a a kid full of joy and bebopping and that just i loved that scene and then the other scene that really stood out to me was the the nosy neighbor grumpy nosy neighbor because while most of my neighborhood is really amazing i definitely have had the one grumpy nosy neighbor that (laughs) has uh you know made comments about the resale value and (laughs) all those things and you just have to like you know roll your eyes about it you know but it, it's that was very relatable
1: okay I have a few um, I of course like the end when uh, Arthur and Linus are, are dancing and then the kids come up and they're like they're gonna get married um, I love that part and then I also loved when they all went to the to the island and they're in the record store and the I the the custom you know store clerk's name like j-pop or something right (laughs) and and his interactions with lucy i thought were hilarious about like ordering ordering records (laughs) and such and then i liked uh also kind of towards the end when uh he gives his final report in person to um, extreme upper management or whatever they were called and was like just basically f you all (laughs) you know (laughs) um so i like that part too
0: (laughs) yeah f you all scene is always it's always great because who hasn't wanted to say that, like go up to the top management and say, you know what? F you, I'm done. You all suck. And I've said it, there you go. (laughs) It's like, (laughs) and, and of all people to do that, you know, if you had to pick any character to do something like that, I wouldn't have picked Linus. And yet, it was Linus who went there and just was like, "Yeah, what was that scene in the in the island? Remember, like, Talia was trying to buy something, or and then people freaked out about her, and somebody came to her rescue, didn't they? Was it? Did he come to the rescue, or other? You know,
1: it was Helen, the mayor. Um, she she came to the rescue.
0: Yeah, it was like it was just neat how different people looked at these kids and some people saw the villain in these kids and some people just saw kids and some people saw the hero in these kids. And it was just really um, the political um, statement of the day, wasn't it? What people see and how they perceive it.
2: Yeah. And I think what, that's definitely one of the big themes, right? Because the whole point was that these kids were being judged by their appearance or where they came from or who they came from not by their own character and who they were and i thought it was very telling in the scene in the in the fu scene <laughs> to leadership essentially you know they're like how how can you say that lucy isn't a threat because he's like the antichrist like he he is immorality and you know linus is like basically saying like, well, you, you're making, you're defining him by, you know, his origins, not by who he is or who he has become. And it, it was just really, it struck a tone with me because I feel like there's a couple of things that have happened in the last few years where that's exactly what, what's going on. People are, you know, judging others out of fear. And and basically this upper management was trying to make a case to, to kill off Lucy, this like six year old kid, just because he was, you know, the son of the devil. <laughs> but, you know, it, it made, it makes you stop and think about just, you know, some of these, how we talk and some of the things that we say. And I, I think it kind of goes back to the mob scene too, where, you know, the village people are getting ready to go on the island. And um Linus stopped, well, Linus and Arthur stopped them and Helen and Linus basically says like, what are you going to do when you get to the island? Are you going to lay hands on these kids? Are you going to kill them essentially? And they're like, Wait, no, we would never do that. But yet like, then what's the point? Like, isn't that what they, like, that's what you were going towards. That's where, you, that was your inevitability in this situation. And you know, you're basically, you're ruining their lives. You're, you're going to end their lives. And I just thought it was very interesting to stop and in, in those moments and and see and think about really what's being said and the messages that are being delivered i'll tell i'll tell you what
0: those kids just drove me nuts in the beginning i couldn't stand them i was like linus just write us but report and say this is just bad stuff just get rid of them or whatever like i hated i just i was like i was like he's the freaking antichrist he's the devil I'm like, just like I'm like, are you really thinking about justifying this kid who's the devil I mean, all these kids? I'm like, Talia just said she wants to bury you alive. I'm like, are you going to justify the statement? How is this acceptable? I hate these kids, They're annoying little vermin brats. And then, no, I know it was just the craziest thing and. And then towards the end, I'm like, oh, they're adorable. I love them. They're just the best ever. But again, that's the power of, I mean, the author and the way he wrote it to make you like completely do a 180 on, on these kids and make you feel like upper management did. And then, you, then he starts opening it up and he goes, aha, tricked you. And uh, yeah, I I don't know. This book is so good. It's just so many good elements.
2: There's very that like that part about the kids and how they have their initial reactions like that is so real, I think, to real life. Like kids, oftentimes when they're trying to like fill out their boundaries and feel out where you and they are in relationship to one another, like sometimes they'll test that out like what's the worst thing I can say and, and how are they going to react? So I'm going to throw out like the worst thing and see what happens. And then I kind of know where we stand with one another. And that's, I mean, are they consciously doing that? No, but like, that's how they test their boundaries. That's what is happening there. And I, um, so I think to a certain extent, these kids who have been through a lot, like they just, you know, maybe they get to it quicker than other kids because they just need to know for their survival and for their mental, you know, protection of themselves like they just need to know where do I stand if I do something wrong what is going to be this person's reaction and so they just do it from the outset that is very true that is
0: that is very true did you guys have any feelings with this book where you started off one way and you went another way or did you always feel like, oh, I love Linus, I love the kids, and I still love Linus, and I still love the kids, and I love Arthur, and I still love Arthur? Or did you guys ever feel a change?
1: I wasn't quite sure about Linus at the beginning and like, kind of like where he would end up. I, I knew he had obviously some some challenges and figuring out who he was and so I was a little I wasn't sure where he was gonna go but I'm glad they kind of changed that around I, I thought the kids were kind of cute from the beginning but um, uh yeah uh and, and I I always thought there was I, I didn't feel negatively about Arthur um in in the beginning I, I guess I just wasn't quite sure about how to feel about him and then ultimately um turned out to be good
2: I think I felt sorry for linus at the beginning and by the end i was like yay like you did wonderful things and you're happy you found your happiness you found you know you found your true self and and you're speaking your truth and all those good things and i really loved that for him so i mean i didn't hate or dislike him and i definitely didn't have any negative feelings towards The kids, Marty from the record shop that tried to exorcise Lucy. Uh, I didn't like him at all. And then I just realized he's a really pathetic person. And he's, you know, I felt sad for him because he clearly also had not found himself. But I I think that that's really the extent of the big changes that I had from the beginning to end.
0: Boy, we're going right through these, aren't we? So who was your favorite character or person for me I think it was Lucy I don't know why I think in the audio there was something so charming about Lucy that I I just hated him in the beginning and then I fell in love with him later on so I was like okay
2: I my favorite I think was Chauncey the we don't know what to call him an alien or under-the-bed monster I mean I want to call him a monster he's not a monster but who he's just so pure like all he wants to be is a bellhop he's just like that will be the like peak of his happiness is to become a bellhop and I just loved that And he loved people and he loved taking care of people and it was very it was just very pure I liked him
1: I liked Helen the mayor um because she was such a a strong personality that she just came in and whatever she said um, was going to be the the law for for that island. And she stuck up for those kids like they were own. And then all of a sudden she's over at the island having dinner and, you know, playing in the garden. And I think she was really paving the way for those two worlds to to connect um, more meaningfully. So I I appreciated that. Um, But it's really hard to pick because I really liked them all.
0: I think also Arthur was, it's after you get his backstory and you look at the whole book, I'm just like, oh, Arthur? Of the adults, I think after the whole book, my empathy just really went super high for Arthur more than anyone else. Because yeah, Linus was trapped in his job and everything, but Arthur was literally trapped in a cellar and imprisoned there. So it's this prisoner, that recovery and all of that. So that's at the end of the book, I was like, oh. So do you want to do... title cover okay so how what would you rate the title of this book a house in the cerulean sea i would give it a four because the reason i'm giving it a four is because when i first read the title i just was not i remember very clearly thinking a house in the cerulean sea it just didn't sound appetizing to me i didn't think it was fantasy i I didn't know what genre I was getting into, so that's why I gave it a four-ish, but I'm giving it a four, not a three, because after reading the book and everything, I really understand it. Now, the cover of the book, it's, have you guys seen the cover? It's beautiful. It's, um, I, I give it a five, a solid, like, hands down. I have no questions. The cover, I would give it a five. What about you guys?
1: I I agree about the cover I I loved it the only thing I would say is about the cover is that it looks a little childish it like it looks like young adults um kind of cartoonish almost but you know it is fantasy even if it's so so I don't know but I, I think it's beautiful I think it's really pretty and I agree I would probably give the the title a four for the same reason um it you don't get a good sense of what it's about. But having read the book, it makes sense. (laughs) Erin, before
0: you go real quick, Jen, I have to tell you that maybe that's why, that's another reason I was looking for this book under Children's NYA because of the cover also. It just cemented that, oh no, it's a cute one. It's meant to be in the cute section, which means adults are not cute. Just like... (laughs) All right, Erin,
2: title cover. Um, so the title, I agree. Like I, when I, I had no idea, I'd never read a synopsis about it when you suggested it. And uh, I thought maybe I was getting into a book about somebody's vacation, which is not entirely wrong. Um, but uh, yeah, I want to go with a four because it doesn't really give the rest of the story justice. And I agree. I do like the the cover a lot. Um, so I think, I do think it's very beautiful. I would give it a five. I agree with all of your assessments that it does look a little bit more YA. In fact, I, it kind of reminded me of like Roald Dahl type covers. And honestly, his style is like Roald Dahl for adults. But um, <laughs> as far as writing, I felt like there were a lot of similarities. So, I, I mean, I agree. I think that it's a bit of a misleading cover page, but it's very beautiful. And I don't know how I would change it. I don't know how, I mean, maybe just different text would would perhaps even change that feel of ya versus adult but you
0: know yeah i'm gonna go back a little bit before we go into reading what is this book about for me the book is about acceptance i mean if i had to put one word to it this book is about acceptance and if i had to put another word to it is about discovery of yourself too what is this
2: book about
1: yeah, I, I agree. I think definitely self-acceptance, and then also that that family love and connection, that unconditional support that means family.
2: I, I agree with with both of those statements, and I also think that the other thing it's about is when you have love and acceptance, you you also bring voice to it, um, and raising that voice whenever you know people can't raise their own voices.
0: Tell me more about that. Is it like? Is it elevating others' voices by giving them acceptance is what you're saying? Well, I think about people just having a voice or?
2: I think both. Um, so accepting them and, and, and giving them the space to have a voice. In, but I also think, you know, like what Linus did at the end with the department, I mean, he had the power and the platform to say... No, like what you were trying to make me say is wrong. And this is what I'm saying. And this is what I mean. And I'm going to state it very specifically, like this, you know, this home, this home needs to stay open.
1: Maybe a component of like bravery and um, standing up for, I don't know, I don't don't want to say the downtrodden, but um, standing up for people who don't have power, like you, like you said.
0: I like that bravery and standing up for standing up for those who don't have the power and who don't have the voice. And the people with the power and with the voice have to exercise that to understand and elevate those people who don't have that voice. Just really what's happening today, right? I mean, literally with everything, Black Lives Matter, Asian hate, LGBTQI, just everything, you know, if you're silent, then you're complicit, is what is going on. So it's the same thing of do not be silent, do not be complicit and uh, go there. So, okay, anything else with this book before we go into the rating? I am gonna rate this book as a five, okay? I love this book. I don't care what pitfalls it has. I love this book. It just makes me feel so good. And it just gives me a hug, just knowing that this book is on my bookshelf makes me feel good so I don't care I'm just giving it a five that's it
1: I agree definitely a five for me Um, I would read it a hundred times and recommend it to everybody I know (laughs) so (laughs) I
2: concur definitely five and yeah uh, it's I feel like lots of people need to read this book and I I feel like it's a really great time to read this book because a lot of us are still you know recovering from the pandemic feelings and all of the other social and political stuff that's going on. Like it's a really, really great time to read this. This can help with healing.
0: Okay. So it's only the three of us. So before I officially close book club, I thought I would announce our August book. I'm just going to take an executive decision and tell you what the August book is and uh and do it that way. Are you guys ready? Okay. roll, please. The August book is My Real Name is Hannah by Tara Lynn Massey. And that will conclude Book Club. Before I go, if you loved this episode or any of my previous episodes, please take a moment to write me a review on Apple Podcasts. Please share this podcast with your family and friends and through your social media channels follow me on facebook and instagram on living a life through books i'm also on clubhouse look me up by name i'm on tiktok my tag is at dr shnaza Ahmed, but i think the page is called living a life through books i'm still new to tiktok and still navigating the waters there my tag on swell is at bookish podcast it's a different kind of audio app but it's still a good way to reach me. You can reach me through email. My address is livingalifethroughbooks at gmail.com. My website is shanazahmed.com. That is S H A H N A Z A H M E D.com. The opening and closing music to this and all my previous episodes was composed by my husband, Brad Slavik. I'm Dr. Shanaz Ahmed with Living a Life Through Books signing off. Remember to water the seeds within you. It's time.